This is Nuance Radio. Yeah, so I'm feeling pretty blah. You're, that's you're f- that's all I have to say. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Nuance Radio invites you to join the conversation that has come to be known as One Bloke Went to Mo. Welcome, welcome. Um, hope you're having a great day. Uh, my name's not important. With me is Victoria. Victoria, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, even though I have a significant lack of sleep. I'm sorry to hear that. Is it because you've been watching so much soccer? No, No. I don't know why. I just didn't sleep. That's my complaint. But it's been Thanksgiving week, and what, you've had the whole week off work? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it suits you, does it? No, it doesn't. (laughs) It's like you need to be working. I do. Yeah, I don't know. I like a routine too. So um, coming up in the show, um, not a whole lot going on in West Plains this week. I mean, obviously it's Thanksgiving. Obviously we've got the World Cup going on and uh, that's why I'm feeling so blah because we just witnessed England against the USA and not what I was expecting. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the USA played really well. They, they did. They, they have a great team. Uh, they could go far. Um, but they, I mean, well, truth is they're very good at defending. Very good at defending. And they run and run. They don't seem to run out of energy. Uh, but again, you know, they're like the second youngest team out there. So um, they just need a good striker. You know, if they had a really good striker, maybe they probably would have beaten England today. But um, they came very close, you know. It was like, you know, they had twice as many shots. Um, but both sides really only had like one, if uh, if two shots that were actually on target. So hmm. I don't know what England were doing, you know. Sometimes, you know, if you have a big first match like they did, winning 6-2, um, it's almost uh, demotivating, you know, because you think, wow, we scored six goals last time and this time it should be a lot easier. I tell you, it's so psychological, the game of football, really. I mean, I say soccer, football interchangeably. Yeah. But it really is. Um, you know what? One thing I was wondering if it has ever happened in the history of soccer slash football is, you know how so um, sometimes, you know, the opposition scores just a beautiful goal, right? Just a individual piece of skill or a team effort that is just beautiful to watch the way that they strung the passes together often you know the goal goes in and the defending team hang their heads down and look all depressed i just wondered has there ever been a defending team that just went and congratulated the other side every time they scored a goal and how you know, psychologically off-putting that might be <laughs> if they were like, wow, yes. great goal. You know, you really got it past us this time. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> oh, my god! I, I think the attacking team would seriously scratch their heads. And It'd just probably be like, are we being punked right now? What's happening? <laughs> I know, right? How, how, what? I mean, you know, how the attacking team, you know, they score the goal and then they go sliding across the grass on their knees. 
<laughs> what if the defenders you know, were sliding along next to them and saying, good job, mate, good job, you're, you're, the, you're doing really well. You're the best. That would almost seem like patronizing. Well, yeah. Like, look <laughs> in, at you. In, you scored a goal. Inti- entirely pa- patronizing, yeah. You do so good, you got a goal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> let's see what's going on. It is, um, well, the weather's been, well, we've had some rain, actually, haven't Finally. we? Finally, yes. It's been deceptive, hasn't it? It's always, this fall has felt to me like it's, uh, I mean, it's been cold and, you know, the leaves are falling. Um, there have been quite a lot of uh, days of sunlight. It's It's been unusually dry. I remember... Last year and the year before, it was raining probably every week at least once mm-hmm. or just staying raining for several days and a couple days breaks, but it's just been so dry. Yeah, really. Well, there's water in the pond now. The ducks are happy. I bet. Yeah, so that's good. I had to put my ducks back in their pen because they kept wanting to go to the neighbor's side of the house because there's a weird little runoff, so it makes a puddle. Ah, okay. And they love it more than their uh, swimming pools. They, so they, they go over there and they just scream quack. They they love muddy muddy puddles, don't they? I had to run them off mm-hmm. and run them back into their pen. I was like, you cannot be waking up my neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> there have been times when I've been filling up my pond, that I, that my like mini pond that I have for them, mm-hmm. and then I forget the hose is on and so it starts overflowing. And they prefer, like you said, um, jumping up and down in the piece of grass that's got really muddy rather than the actual pond or the pool. Maybe it's washing up some bugs and worms and they're just sifting I, through it with their little crazy beaks. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely bringing up the worms. So um, later in the show, we may be talking things um, arachnid. Is that the correct word for that? Yes, yeah. arachnid. The arachnids are yes. coming. So... Um, if you need to get on a chair now, uh, <laughs> do that so that your feet are off the ground. Um, other things, it is obviously the 12th episode, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about the number 12. Um, and as ever, you know, we have thought for the day. Uh, before that, uh, local news. Let's uh, see what's going on. I do have a, I have two little tidbits. Yeah. First off, there was apparently an incident Unfortunately fatal, I'm not given names, you can find it, with a Model T Ford. From like the 1920s? Yes. Wow. A Model T Ford was struck by another vehicle who failed to give right away to the car. Uh Now, obviously, it's an unfortunate loss of life and also an unfortunate loss of mechanical history, too. So, fortunate for both of them and... Prayers for the, the family. Yeah, it sounds awful. Yes. It yeah. was just an unusual thing to read, too. I was like, Model T. I've never seen one on the road. Have you? I've never seen one on the road. Uh, I think it was a country road. Mm-hmm. So he was probably just taking it out to keep everything working properly. Right, right. And an unfortunate incident. This way. Pay attention when you're driving. Yeah. Very oh, much shame. so. The other thing is that the West Plains Animal Shelter needs food donations. Oh, right. Very much so. They've posted a desperate need for dog food and cat food. Okay. So if there's any good Black Friday sales out there, you know, I think 
Dollar General has one, buy one, get one free, three-pound bag of dog food or something like that. So anything could help the shelter out. Good deal. Okay. And we will um, put the address of the animal shelter on the Facebook page, okay? Absolutely. I'll, I'll link their page, too. Okay. Well, um, over in Lydney in England, where I'm from, um, I was very pleased to see uh, that there was, uh, f- seems like for the first time ever, uh, what they set up was a Lydney exchange. And essentially it's the same thing as a swap meet, okay? So um, here, I know just down the road, in fact, at the end of the road, every Saturday morning they have a swap meet. Um, and I believe you can just go along there with something to trade and see if anyone wants to trade it, swap it out for whatever. So there's no money involved. Um, now, the Lydney Exchange was a bit different. They're mainly trying to be a charity for people that maybe need some extra blankets or clothes for the winter, that kind of thing. But again, the, the whole idea was if you need something, come here. If you've got too much of something, donate it. And let's all just meet for tea and coffee and biscuits and um, see, you know, browse through the things and see if we need anything. So, um, I don't know. I just like that. I've never been to a swap meet, so. No? I mean, I've never been either, but. um, i have to check one out. I've heard tales. Um, There is a very famous uh, tale, which. Who knows if it's true anymore? Of the guy who started off with a paperclip and then ended up owning a house uh, just by trading it with people for different things. So he kind of worked his way up. Have you ever come across that story? No, but it doesn't sound too far fetched. No, no. I mean, you know, you think about it. it you start with the paperclip, you trade it for, I don't know some sort of uh, cheap football card, and then you trade that for something of a bit more value, and then you trade that for something a bit more valuable, and eventually you're <laughs> getting up to cars and houses. Man, you got to have some really good charisma and negotiation skills. Yeah, really? Mostly charisma. Yeah. They go from a paperclip to a house. <laughs> Jeez. Which... um just as a side note, because I know we we love side notes here. Yes. Um, I find troubling because, you know, I heard this coming from a pastor in a church, not around here. It was like an online church, and I heard this, and I thought, I don't know if that pastor has the right mentality for running a church. He seems a bit too um, focused on money rather, you know, mm. material success rather than uh, spiritual success. Hmm, that is an interesting thing. Was this at an actual church? No, like I said, I saw online. This was years ago. I really got into listening to different sermons, and uh, there's some famous churches like Mars Hill, and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but they rose to popularity. Um, like I said, back in 2012, there was a, I don't know, it was like a. Um, it was like a renaissance in the American church for a while, but um, I think it was led by very entrepreneurial uh, type of leaders. So, Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. More on that later. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the uh, over in England, they've been having uh, some flooding. I worry about England in the future because as a country, as an island, it kind of slopes, right? So in a way from uh, Scotland down to the south of England, if water levels do get out of hand in the future, probably a lot of southern England will be underwater. Um, and then the higher areas, like in Wales and Scotland, uh, those will be fine. So personally, I'd be looking at buying a cottage in the Welsh mountains if, you know, if I was thinking about the future. But Ooh, geez. I don't know. You know, it's a shame. You know, they get flooding every year and there's nothing really that they can do about it. Yeah, that's a tough one right there, flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, also looks like there's a lot more strike action going on in England. You oh. know, um, I said that the nurses were going to strike. I don't think they actually have yet. Um, but there's a local university in Gloucestershire that is uh, about to start striking. And, uh, you know, I think you have to say if a university is going on strike, then that is pretty significant. Yeah, especially if, is it just the staff or the students? So according to the University College Union, uh, real terms pay has been cut by 28% over the past 12 years and pensions reduced with workload and job insecurity rising. Uh, they add that staff stress levels are extremely high and is now one of the main reasons for sickness absence. So it says that members of the union will join 150 other branches across the country comprising 70,000 staff in the strikes that will take place on Thursday. Oh, so, Wow. All yeah. right. So they're lowering people's pay and pensions. Well, I think what they're saying is that in real terms, uh, if you allow for inflation, then wages haven't gone up. But, I mean, the right-wing conservative party in England for the last 12 years has been all about austerity, right? Ever since the 2008 crash, they... Uh, again, mistakenly think that in order to correct financial mistakes like that, that we all have to suffer inst instead of uh, finding a different solution. Again, not political. It's just a fact, you know. I mean, the government creates money. They can employ everyone if they want to. Um, and they set the price for wages. So there's no reason why uh, teachers or nurses or essential workers should be suffering because uh, they're like the foundation of society you know yeah there's a right way to go about it and a not so right way of going about it but again it's just a you know it's just a scorecard it, and <laughs> according to the you know according to the government i mean whether they spend a trillion or two trillion it it, it comes from nowhere right you always have to remember they create money out of thin air. Magic. Yes, yes they do. SpongeBob meme. Imagination. Oh, so um, you'll like this. So you remember one of our very early episodes, We there was a gentleman in St. Louis who wanted to uh, create a pathway that you could walk through the countryside from St. Louis to Branson. That was a drive. Hmm? It was a drive. You wanted to create a, a drive? Yeah, it was the scenic bypass. It's a road. Oh, it's an actual road. A road. All okay. oh, right. Yes. I thought it was like a footpath or something. No, it's a road. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, in um, in memory of the uh, the Queen's passing, 
several different um, woodland authorities, let's call them forest authorities, stretching from the Forest of Dean uh, north towards uh, Worcester and, and Stroud, they want to do a similar thing where they ask for a farmer's cooperation in planting trees to uh, connect the, fo- the the three main forests in that area. So there, so that you could then walk, in theory, uh, for 60 miles and always be in the woods. So they're asking to try and reclaim little strips of land off farmers in order to do this, apparently. That is an interesting little concept right there. It is, yes, yes. Huh. But again, you know... Um, I mean, it is their livelihood, too, so it's... Yeah. Huh. You know, my theory on this, though, is that I think all fields should nowadays be round. Round? Yeah, and we shouldn't have rectangular fields at all. Uh, Because if you're mowing on a tractor, you've got to turn the corner, right? Um, So there's always this corner of the fields that doesn't get used. And I think we should just make those publicly owned corners, right? We should buy all the corners of fields off farmers and make sure that they um, are never disturbed so that wildlife can grow in the corners of fields. I like to sit in my corn corner. (laughs) Well, I mean, a lot of the animals that live there will be pollinators. So it'll be good for the land. Um, You know... Then they never use those corners anyway. Um, they'd get some cash back for selling their corners. Um. That's just an interesting thought right there, just like little corners. Yeah, and then all we have to do is make some little paths along the actual hedgeways to join up all the corners. Okay, instead of a circle, how about something called a squoval? Okay, I'm listening. Okay, so it's a square or a rectangle, but instead of having the corners, they're rounded. So yeah, okay. Yeah, so they what have do you like squoval. It's usually used in nail salons to describe the edge of like a certain nail finish. Ah, uh, okay. Squoval. That's what I've never heard about. Squoval. Uh, yeah, that was offered to me one time. I'm like, what's a squoval? Great word. <laughs> it's word. just a square or rectangle, and you just round the edges on it, right? Like this. Right. Yeah, like, like the uh, well, I say like this. Like yeah, like the table can, that people can't see. Yeah, yeah like the right. table that every single person can see sitting right in front of me with the rounded edge. <laughs> it's probably like your um, photos on Instagram or something like that, where they they're not rec- perfect rectangles, are they? Yeah, yeah, where they can do like the edges or the mm-hmm. framing where it rounds them. Right, right. Yes, squoval. Squoval. Oh, now I do have some sad news to share. Oh, yeah. I've talked on previous episodes so much about the Dean Forest Railway, you know, the steam railway that they've been um, repairing. Yes. Well, it turns out that some guy, some arsonist, set fire to a couple of the carriages and caused £45,000 worth of damage. Uh, Apparently, this was earlier this year. I didn't see any reports on it, but um, this guy who committed it and pled guilty to it he was up in court um last week but um wow yeah i know i was just very sad to hear that like what goes through people's minds you know like how upset with the world you have to be to think oh i'm gonna take something beautiful and destroy it you know that everyone else has been enjoying i don't know i mean this is a charitable organization that runs a couple of steam trains up and down three miles a track uh you never know Somebody's probably angry about something. Well, yeah, but isn't the healthy way to express one's feelings? No. No. 
No, it's definitely not. I'm not justifying what he did at all. I'm just saying, like, people do things like that, and a lot of times no one really finds out why. No, we don't get really to the bottom of things, do we? No. No. But as as you're saying, yes, usually people who feel aggrieved and want to make a statement kind of... I mean, to me, it's just like a little kid having a tantrum, I think, but it's just an ad- it's now an adult with something much more destructive in the hand. Yeah. Jeez. I don't understand it. Anyway, um, what it did make me think about, and this isn't really like a thought for the day, but maybe it is, um, is there are societies, and I believe uh, there's uh, several in Africa, for example, right, where... Let's say one of your, you know, teenagers goes and burns something down because they're angry. Then instead of imprisoning uh, the, the uh, perpetrator or uh, giving them a fine um, or any harsh pun- punishment like that, the community gets together, you know, uh, cooks some food, lights a bonfire, and they stand around in a circle with the essentially the criminal, in the middle of the circle, and then they'll go and hug him or her. I don't know. I mean, I have never seen one of these uh, ceremonies, if you like, um, but I heard that they're very powerful and that the person who committed the crime probably gets to feel a lot of public shame, uh, but also an incredible amount of love at the same time. That's interesting. I, I guess what the act of that is supposed to do like hey obviously something made you angry enough to do this we're all here for you mm-hmm. is that what yeah yeah that's probably going for it's like a community in- intervention really yeah yeah that's neat i'm gonna have to look that up yeah please do yes that's what we're here for you know we're the show that gives you a little bit of everything just enough so that you can uh, go and look it up yourself youtube yeah. <laughs> <laughs> indeed wikipedia is your friend <laughs> So, as I said, it's the 12th episode, so I was looking into number 12, and, um, you know, very, very, mathematically, very, very powerful number, number 12. Oh. Yes. Um, well, think of it in terms of uh, the sundial, for example, or the clock. You know, we have a, we divide half the day up into 12, uh, we have 12 months of the year. In terms of, uh, and I was intrigued by this, because... Um, you know, why don't, why don't we have a clock that just goes to 10, right? Why does it go to 12? Well, it, it does actually come from, you know, ancient Egypt where they had sundials and they started um, realizing that they could tell the time from looking at the position of the sun. You know, if you imagine a sundial, obviously you can see when the sun is directly overhead, so you know when noon is, and then you can start measuring from there. Obviously, when the sun goes down... You don't know what time it is. Now, in the evening time, uh, apparently they had water clocks. Yeah, I know, right? Water so, clocks. Water clocks. But huh. again, I haven't uh, truly yet understood how these water clocks work. But again, that's something for you to go and uh, research. But essentially, you know, the circle is more easily broken up into uh, three, six, or twelve. We can do numbers here. <laughs> Remember the, what was it, three trillion? Yeah. So, um, so it's possible that we could have had a, a clock system that was actually based on the number eight. 
because that would have been the easiest way to divide up a circle. But the the number twelve has the has a lot of divisors, right? So you can divide one into it, obviously. Uh, two goes into it. Three goes into it. Four goes into it, and six. So it is a very flexible number, especially when you start um, extrapolating out and then dividing these the circle into three hundred and sixty degrees, and then every twelfth, every little twelfth segment has thirty degrees in it. So the mathematics work out beautifully when it's divided into twelve, compared to the awful system it would be if it was divided by ten. Oh no! Yeah. No. A water clock, though. Yeah. I would have figured you could just tell the time of night by the the moon, but that might just be me not knowing what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, I was going to come on to that. Yeah. So it is. Uh, so the night. A lot of the nighttime clocks were again based on the lunar calendar. So in a year, there are typically, or in in a lunar year, there are typically twelve rotations of the moon. Right. So, but that leaves you short of the 365 days. Now, like I said, a lot of these sundials go back to a um, thousand, fifteen hundred BC. Right. So, three thousand, three and a half thousand years ago. If you ever read Herodotus, who was writing around 500 BC, you'll find out that um, they they did go by the lunar calendar. They were always having to add extra months now and again to make all the seasons uh, come back into alignment. And then, as we famously know, Julius Caesar comes along and says, all oh, right, well, if we've only got 10 months, maybe we need a couple more. And now we have July and August. And so That's November, nice. November should be the ninth month and December should be the 10th month. Now, if Julius Caesar wasn't quite so egotistical, he could have just added month number 11 and month number 12, but, and then we would have, it would go November, December, undecember, and then duo-December. <laughs> Something clever. <laughs> I mean, it would, wouldn't it? You know, yeah, should do. You know, if you were following the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 yeah, version. Yeah, if, if they did. If they did follow that. Yeah. No, they wanted to. Add something weird. So happy undecember. Happy undecember. Yeah, it's un as in unos, and then Ooh. December. You see, or decem. Unos, unos plus decem. Okay, all right. Yes, right. yes. Undecember. That's what I'm calling it now. You know, <laughs> wake me up when undecember comes. It sounds like something that would have been in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, indeed. A very merry undecember. <laughs> very merry undecember. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, tomorrow, West Plains will be lighting the Christmas tree. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, I hope you had a nice time uh, looking at that. Um, once again, I will remind people that it would be much more cost efficient just to leave the lights up all year round. But, uh, <laughs> um, I've had a lot of feedback from my idea last week, and uh, it's <laughs> not going well. <laughs> It reminds me of that song, Redneck Woman. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a redneck woman. Funny song. It's a very, very funny song. Oh, now, I think this is great news for West Plains. Oh. Right? 
The city council is moving to establish railroad quiet zones. Yes. Yeah. I heard about that. Please. No more honking your horn for like five minutes as you're coming through town. Please. I live closer to the tracks than you do. I know. It is loud. I'm not even. I'm probably what half a mile away from the tracks, I think. And I hear them. And there's usually I can tell who's driving. Oh, yeah? By how psychotic they are with the horn. Oh. (laughs) No, I lived in London for several years, right? I mean, you know, yes, it is true that if you are surrounded by noise pollution, you do get used to it and your mind does block it out. So I live very close to a railway track and it could go by, you know, in the middle of the night. It would never wake me up. However, but I don't know that that's actually very healthy for the human brain to be doing that all the time. So I think it still requires some effort on the brain to um, do that cognitive dissonance, if you like, you know? Yeah. Loud sounds are stressful on the brain and the body because there's still a concussive, not concussion, a concussive sound, and you still get a reaction from that. Right. So you're right. It, it It's not exactly healthy. It can cause levels of stress even if you're not aware of it. Right. Anyway, um... Speaking from a realtor point of view, I think this is probably going to increase the value of a lot of people's homes because um, up until now, um, if you don't know West Plains, you know, the railway track runs right through the center of it. So um, it is true that we have a city where, um, you know, there are two sides to the tracks. There are, there's an industrial zone running either side of the railway track through the center of town, and then you've got residential areas on either side of that. Um, and I would say it's, it must be at least three or four miles worth of track that goes from one edge of the city to the other. I mean, I know driving it is probably about, you know, 10 minutes in traffic or whatever. So, um, and again, the, these, for my English friends, these, these are the, um, the, the, the freight trains that have like 50 odd, trailers following the one engine and they're double stacked so it's like two shipping containers per trolley and there's like 50 trolleys of them it takes a good three or four minutes for it to even go by you if you're waiting at the railway stop and not to mention there's strict speed limits that cargo trains have to adhere to going through towns and cities right right so it really can be one of those things that (laughs) I don't know. I had a little job doing some taxi driving a while back and I would listen out for the train because I, if I knew I had to cross the tracks, uh, there is a place up at the north end of town where you can go under a, a bridge. Yes. Yeah, by the Ford dealership there. And uh, so often I would be taking that route, even if it was quite a way out of my way because I knew there was a train coming and I'd actually get to the other side quicker if I went up, up to the north. That's a good idea. That's that's good right there. That's actually really good. But yeah, uh, with the residential values, there's quite a few places along the tracks that I've seen were for sale or for rent for so long. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be there because it's at the railroad crossings where they are blasting right. their horn. Yeah. And some of these engineers driving are holding the horn down before they even get to the first crossing in town. Yeah. I know somebody got in trouble for it before. Oh, okay. And 
I swear, I thought somebody was, they were having a little contest because somebody was blasting their horn in town. And then you could hear another one farther away echoing it. Uh-huh. And that went on the entire time the train was going through town. And I was laying there at 3 a.m. going, <sighs> would like for these these games to stop, please. <laughs> They're not funny. They're not cute. You know what you're doing. Yeah. You're waking everyone up. I know. Like a regular train honk. Some people can disconnect and sleep through that. But this was deliberate. It was timed. And if it woke me up, I know it woke a lot of other people up. Yeah. You know, I did that in a Walmart car park once. I got out of the car and, you know, hit the, the key fob. And uh-huh. so it went, da-da-da. and then over on the other side of the car park, someone, you know, did their da-da just after mine. And so then I did mine again uh, in kind of like a call and response type thing. And then yeah. they did theirs again. And then I did mine <laughs> again. I couldn't see who they were. I just, I don't know. It was one of those moments that it just felt right to do. And they obviously felt it at the same time. You They're know? just like, oh, whoever you are, <laughs> no. distant friend, we'll never meet. <laughs> That's right. So... Are we going to talk about spiders? Yeah. Oh, right. Spiders. Yeah. So if you're scared of spiders, don't worry. I'm not going to blast anything, you know, extravagant. Good. So the value of spiders regarding the homestead is incredible. They're super useful. Right. And usually the first thing that people will try to counter with is, oh, brown recluses, black widows, you know, things that are dangerous or deadly to humans right right and you know rightly so those things are lethal yeah now i will do a counter to that yes they're dangerous to us but we don't have to freak out about them no because we can invite their enemy spiders to our property ah yes yes now the two main spiders that I would say you want living on your homestead at all times would be the wolf spider Mm -hmm. and the jumping spider. Oh, okay. A specific species of jumping spider, which you can see around here, is called the regal jumping spider. Oh, I don't know if I've identified one. I mean, I didn't know there were such things as jumping spiders. Oh, yes, and some fun stuff about jumping spiders. I mean, I've seen the wolf spider. That's pretty distinctive, right? Yes. It has a sort of light light brown and dark brown brown stripe on it. Um, Typically, typically. There's also some lookalikes. Oh, are there? Yes, there's some lookalikes. Now, I can't get all the scientific names down for that, but there is one Mm -hmm. with these really distinct broad black stripes going down its behind. Anyway, there's some lookalikes. There's another type you could see occasionally that has the two broad stripes. Mm -hmm. They're cousins, but it's not the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, I've seen wolf spiders in several different, I guess you could call them coat colors. Yeah. Brown is typically what people will see. I've also seen the dark grayish peppery ones uh-huh. and a few other unusual colors. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's just regional or just, you know, color genetics playing out right there. Yeah. Now, a good thing about starting with wolf spiders and jumping spiders is that both of them will eat other spiders. Yeah. I, know, I didn't know this. Now... They don't just, you know, by chance eat other spiders. Mm-hmm. They actively look for them. Oh, okay. Because jumping spiders and wolf spiders don't build 
what you could call stationary nests. Mm-hmm. Like they have their little home base they'll go to to sleep. Mm-hmm. But they will leave their nests and patrol a territory. To them, it's huge. To us, it's small. Mm-hmm. And they will look for other spiders that don't travel. Okay. And they will take them out. Got it. With extreme prejudice. They will more than likely attack another spider before they'll go after anything else. Wow. So if you want those guys around, there's some things you could do to encourage them. Okay. Now, before I go on, some interesting stuff. If you don't want any spiders around your house. Mm Mm-hmm. I found out that they do not like light blue. Spiders do not like light blue light. Yeah. Or light blue paint. Really? So it makes sense. Maybe it's just something with their eyes that makes it repulsive to them. Yeah. But they do not like that color. So they're not Man City fans then? I guess not. Right. Um, so at nighttime when you have the nighttime spiders or bugs wandering around a light blue light although it'd be kind of annoying to us it's probably hundreds of times more annoying to a spider i see so that's one way yeah now wolf spiders they can bite they do have venom but it's more likely going to be just painful with some irritation in that spot yeah i've been bitten by a wolf spider i haven't and i don't want to yeah now, it, it wasn't that bad it just it, it a lot of swelling for a little bit Kind of like a bee sting? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, wolf spiders, they do like to hunt other spiders, like I've said. Now, like the little guest we have in here. Mm -hmm. I see him again. Um, What gives them another good point for keeping on a property is that they have an incredible appetite. Yeah. The one bug a night is not going to make them happy. Okay. So if they kill a spider, cool, they'll eat that, and they're likely going to continue hunting. I see. So they pretty much don't stop hunting until it's daytime. Oh, wow. Okay. They will just eat and eat and eat. And most of the hunting that you're going to see them doing is at nighttime. Right, right. That's good to know. Now, on those little jumping spiders, I like them. Do you? I like them a lot. Yeah. Uh, I get some of them in my house sometimes, and they're usually super tired because it's just drier in a human house. Yeah. I give them water. They drink water. I put them outside. Yeah. Now, you mentioned this to me off air. You give them water how? You can put it on a piece of tissue paper in a bottle cap on the end of a Q-tip. Oh, okay. Just something for them to grab Ti- onto. Tiny amount. Tiny. Yes. Okay. And jumping spiders will act scared of you at first, but... They are what I would call very intelligent. Mm -hmm. They'll look at you. They'll look you right in the eyes with all of theirs. Yeah. And they'll look at you. I guess they figure based on your movements or how you're or loud you're being at them. Mm -hmm. And they'll adjust their behavior. I've found big ones in my house before and I walk up to them. They twist their little bodies to look at me and I just stare at them and then they go back to doing what they're doing. Wow. I got aggressive with one before i kind of yelled at it and i'll be darned the little thing reared up on its little legs and was posturing at me i was like don't jump on me (laughs) like you win you're tiny you win but i I find them to be intelligent yeah there's people that keep them as pets so they can be tamed 
Okay. How, how big are these things? The little regal jumping spiders, they get about... Like the same size as a wolf spider or... I think body weight wise, mm-hmm. they're kind of on par with each other, but yeah. jumping spiders have shorter legs, but designed for leaping. Gotcha. So they, they kind of have a different setup, but right, pretty similar. And they eat other spiders as well? Yes. Okay. They will eat spiders, bugs, wolf spiders, if they're big enough, will try to take out lizards. They will try. Wow. They, they will grab hold and they just hold. Really? They're um, tenacious creatures. They're very tenacious. Remarkable. Yes. Well, The bad thing is a jumping spider, wolf spider, will also eat each other. So oh. while they're eating <laughs> all the other dangerous spiders to humans, if they come across each other, if somebody's feeling particularly uh, risky, they may take a shot at each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now... Some fun facts about spiders, though, because mm-hmm. we had discussed this off air, too, about spiders and the sizes of spiders. Yeah. So let me start by saying that tarantulas are huge, and the largest spider by weight, by weight, like mass, mm-hmm. is the Goliath bird-eating spider. Oh, wow. Yes. That does sound quite large. They're heavy spiders. They mostly live on the ground. They hang out. Mm-hmm. And... I believe their leg span on average is 10 to 11 inches across. Oh, That's wow. their leg span. Okay. But they're mostly, it's in their body. They're just heavy. Mm-hmm. They don't often eat birds, but they can. I see. They're going to go after like mice and lizards and stuff, but we don't have to worry about them in the States. Those are in South South America. Okay. I Phew. almost said South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want... The largest spider by leg span. Mm-hmm. That is called the giant huntsman. Okay. Also not here in the States, but still the U.S. does have a species of huntsman, and it does get pretty big. Okay. And they're very fast, and they hunt similarly to the wolf spider. Not an issue for people. They just look like an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know... You can attract spiders to your property in certain spots of your yard. Mm-hmm. Laying down pieces of wood attracts spiders, obviously. Okay. And I guess... Wait, say obviously. I didn't know that. So. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Some people don't know. I'm sorry. Laying down pieces of wood like uh, scrap pieces of plywood or mm-hmm. something you don't care about, that that creates a little ecosystem for spiders and other insects to live under. Oh, I see. It keeps moisture better. Right. And it gives them a place to hide in the summertime. Gotcha. That's what I meant. Got it. Uh, If you notice a lack of spiders, it might be something to consider for an unhealthy ecosystem in the area. Right. Because, you know, wolf spiders, they prey on all kinds of little bugs. Mm -hmm. And if there's no predator and you're not seeing any prey either. Right. Probably something to consider. Yeah. It depends yeah. on how balanced you want to be with your homestead. Sure. Now, um, if you want to keep them out, the blue light, blue paint, light blue light, light blue paint, and also fill in the gaps. Yeah, I know. Yes. They don't need much to get into a house. Do you know what I saw? I've, I've always complained about the um, satellite TV installers or the cable installers because they drill straight through the siding into your house. Yes. I saw this uh, picture on Facebook recently where I guess some guy had left his uh, guitar case next to the wall 
Then the cable guy had drilled through the wall, straight through his guitar case, into his guitar. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, but they no. are, they're reckless. And yeah, you're, right, you're absolutely right. It's, it's something to pay attention to. Um, all those little holes that they put to feed their cable into a house. Um, I mean, not only is it really untidy, I think, myself, but yeah, you get lots of uh, bugs coming through those holes. Unwanted guests, mm-hmm. making sure that the bottoms of your door frames are sealing properly, mm-hmm. windows, right, attics. Mm-hmm. Lots live in attics. Yeah, but you yeah. know, on, on the subject of spiders, when I was back doing, uh, you know, youth ministry, um, the the very first uh, evening that I conducted, I was giving a little speech about you know being kind to everything and how I, whenever I come across a spider, I get a glass and a piece of paper and I take them outside of the house at that very moment in in the lecture you know um, a, a girl jumped up onto her seat screaming because it was a spider at her feet it was uh, it was one of those uh, serendipitous moments you know where you're where the thing that you're talking about actually happens and so yes. I was able to go in and be the hero and <laughs> collect the spider and put them outside but yes um, one of those moments yes kind of like how there's the little wolf spider guest in here right now i know he's been walking around the room hasn't he yes no wolf spiders the one that bit me it did jump up onto my leg i, I was uh, sitting down so you know it was stationary but yeah he did jump up and he was on my leg and i swear that he stared at me for a couple of seconds before biting me like he th- he really th- you know i had shorts on yeah unfortunately so he was directly on my skin but yeah, he did. He, he looked at me, and then he took a bite and jumped off. <laughs> you know what? I think I know what what happened. What? Um, I think the spider was probably thinking, "Oh, I can get up here and continue climbing upward, mm-hmm. doing spider stuff." They can jump, not probably not to the accuracy of jumping spiders, but mm-hmm. probably jumped up there and was just like, "This is warm. This is alive." Uh, probably right. made eye contact and was like. <gasps> Bite, run away, be I distracted see. by the pain, let me escape. That's probably the only thing that in its little spider nervous system was just like, oh, that's a pair of eyes. Bite it and run away. <laughs> well, uh, before we go, a uh, little thought for the day. Um, I have uh, always been a fan of the data ching. Um and if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's the one where you, you say Dao, but it's actually pronounced T-A-O. Uh, so it looks like Tao, Tay. Tao. Tao, Tay, Ching. But it's actually pronounced Dao, Ching. Anyway, um, beautiful writing and verse in this collection of like 81 um, little verses, all to do with virtue and wisdom. So um, I thought I'd read that this week before we go it says the softest of all things overrides the hardest of all things only nothing can enter into no space hence i know the advantages of non-ado few things under heaven are as instructive as the lessons of silence or as beneficial as the fruits of non-ado so i know you probably need to read that if you've never heard it before maybe reread it over and over again until um, some meaning comes through. But um, kind of going back to what I was talking about um, in a previous episode is that if you try and force things to happen, 
oftentimes you make them worse. And sometimes just by waiting, uh, the answer will present itself. And so this, I, this idea of non-ado or doing nothing runs counterintuitive to like modern-day society where you've got to work for everything and the harder you work, the more successful you are. But actually, you know what? This kind of goes back to how I believe I was quite successful as a manager when I discovered that kind of like a coach, you know, if you were coaching a, a soccer team, for example, and you were actually one of the players, it's very hard to be one of the players and coach the team. It's better if you stand on the side and watch the team and then conduct the team. So being a manager, I found that if I delegated every task almost that I did to someone else, then I would always be able to be aware of what the whole team was doing. The minute that I started to do some of the work for the team, I then my head was down. I was focused on what I was doing but I wasn't focused on what the rest of the team was doing. So in a similar way, if you're waiting for things, if you wait for things to happen, you have more perspective on the landscape because the truth is whatever you wish for, right, will come true, whether you wish for things good or bad. Um, But they will always come to you in a way that you don't expect. And if you can maintain a mindset of, waiting rather than trying to force an issue it's surprising how the answer will come to you but again it won't look like what you imagine it to be so um on that i guess we will wish everyone a a good week Uh, back to school for what four weeks until christmas something like that i know something like that I'm, i'm not sure i should know but i'm i'm terrible at keeping up with stuff like that i'd usually find out the week before, yeah, and then it's a surprise for me and everyone, and there goes that. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving. And uh, some people are probably still asleep right now. By the time they listen to this, go, oh yeah, I was in food coma for several days. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. Have a good one. I'll see you. You've been listening to One Bloke Went to Mo'.